Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Pulp podcast. Oh, boy. We have got a big, a big, big movie. It's a commission. Uh, we can thank Bald Move community member Bill Dodd uh, for for this commission. Uh, we'll get to his dedication here in a minute. It's Indiana Jones. Well, it's the last. No, it's Raiders of the Last. God damn it. Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> I always want to say Indiana Jones, and but it, this this came out yeah. as the Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark. It did not have Indiana Jones in the title. It's kind of like a, a, a New Hope Episode Four type of situation. Um, directed by little known, no, no, he's he's one of the biggest uh, faces on the planet. Steven Spielberg, E.T., Jaws, Close Encounters, Saving Private Ryan, Schindler's List, so many, so many great films. Screenplay written by the legendary Lawrence Kasdan, who also wrote Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, The Bodyguard, and was writer-director on Body Heat, The Big Chill, Silverado, amongst many others. Story by another guy you might have heard of, George Lucas. He of THX, American Graffiti, and of course, Star Wars fame, and Philip Kaufman, who uh, wrote or directed The Unbearable Lightness of Being, Rising Sun, and The Right Stuff. We also covered one of his movies, Quills, about the Marquis de Sade. Harrison, it starts a long time ago. It stars Harrison Ford. I mean, he's Harrison Ford. God damn. Uh, You you know, uh, Han Solo. Oh, he was an Amish guy guy once. Yeah. Yeah. Co-starring Karen Allen, who was in Starman and Scrooged. Paul Freeman, who uh, is, is the Frenchman Balak here. And did you know that he was the Reverend Shooter in Hot Fuzz? I did not. As That's soon wild. as they said that, I'm like, oh, right. Yes, of course. Uh, Ronald Lacey plays the, uh, the the Nazi with the burnt hand and he of the melting skull. You also can see him a Buckeye Bonsai, Red Sonia. Unfortunately, he died in the early 90s, so his career cut short. Hmm. John Reese davies looking very tall, young, fit and strong in this movie. He's Gimli in Lord of the Rings and Professor Arturo in Sliders. Dimold Elliott, um, who was is also in Room with the View and Trading Places. He plays uh, Marcus Brody, Indiana Jones uh, University benefactor. Uh, George Harris, who plays Captain Katanga, did not know until just five minutes ago that he also plays Kingsley Shacklebolt in the Harry Potter films. He's also a Somali warlord in Black Hawk Downs. Finally, Alfred Molina in one of his earliest roles. He'll later go on to be Doc Ock and many others, but he plays the guide uh, uh, Sopito, I think is his name in this movie. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't make it very long. He's the the guy that, that, that does the money symbols with his hand, the money signs with his hand while Indiana's doing the mm-hmm. doing gets, the uh, idle swapping. Pale yeah. spikes. Uh, we I got a lot to say about this film, but before we get started. <laughs> Bills up with his commission dedication says, absolutely my pleasure to do this commission. I've been wanting to do one for a few years, but I never could decide on the movie. Then during your Picard season two coverage, when I heard that you hadn't done this movie yet, I knew it was the right choice. My history with Indiana Jones in a nutshell, back in the mid nineties, during my eighth and ninth grade summer, my parents decided to take up a little amateur arson and attempted insurance fraud as a shortcut out of some civil and financial issues. Who among us hasn't been there? Oh Yeah. They, I, 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 
<laughs> I, I I was getting there in some some point in 2020. I, if I only still mm-hmm. had a studio, I could have burnt down. We we might we might have <laughs> tried it, Jim. Yep. Uh, they weren't exactly criminal masterminds, and their involvement became pretty obvious. I started that summer living in a pretty rural, rural southern, pretty normal rural southern Indiana situation. Decided at the end of that summer, essentially homeless and soft hiding in southern Alabama. Holy hell! Yeah, it did. It didn't take us very long to get back on our feet, fortunately. For their flaws, my folks meant well, and they ended up keeping me most, uh, 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 letting me keep most of my meager earnings from teenage odd jobs. One of the first things I ever bought on my own was a TV and VCR for my room, and I got the Indiana Jones trilogy from a flea market. We usually only kept a cable subscription during free trials and discounts, so I remember playing through Raiders, Temple, and Crusade hundreds of times, even if as background watches as I got up to some BBS wares shenanigans. I feel like minus the uh, the arson, yeah, we had very similar uh, childhoods. I had mm-hmm. the brief detour to Texas to follow my dad's... Uh, uh, horse ranching dreams. You had the detour as a fugitive in Alabama, uh-huh. uh, the Southern. Yeah, it's, it's all it's all checking out here, man. The 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 wares. Yeah, I like it. I feel like Indy represents a certain timeless peak of adventurism and hero ideal, like a mixture of Teddy Roosevelt and Han Solo with his cool jacket and fedora, consummate gentleman, scholar, and ladies man. All these years later, I still watch Raiders yearly around this release anniversary. I also play the crap out of the Williams Jones. Indiana Jones pinball table, who he's actually restored the actual pinball machine. One way I shake up the repeated watches is to watch it in a 4K HDR, but fully desaturated to a high contrast black and white, which helps highlight some great lighting choices, shadows, and intricacies in set design. This man's an expert Indiana Jones watcher. Like, oh, yeah. that's some that's some pretty next level shit right there. At any rate, I love this franchise, but I'm not blind to its weaker aspects. Uh, however, whenever you choose to watch it, I hope you just have fun with it. I just stumbled. Uh, also, I just stumbled on this. I thought you'd find it interesting when this commission comes around. Random connective tissue between the Expanse and Raiders. And that's episode 54 of Ty and That Guy podcast around the 11 minute mark. Breck Eisner says that he wasn't really in the films until his dad drug him into an early rough cut of Raiders. It's interesting to see how the ripples of influence can radiate out, inspiring new and future creators. Thanks again for all the hours of entertainment and thoughtful content reviews. Boy. Um, well, I, I, I don't know, Jim, did you watch this with new eyes and decide the Indiana Jones crap? I did not. Uh, boy, there, there's so much to talk about in this feedback. I feel I, a big kinship here, um, with Bill because like I, I had a period of my life where a year period where my parents paid both my brother and I $500 each, which seemed like just a huge sum of money. Uh, yeah. when, I, when I was in my, uh, I might've been 10. I don't know. I don't know what I was, but 500 bucks when you're 10 is amazing. They paid us 500 bucks each a year in that year to not watch television for a year. I guess we were okay. hooked on it or something. I don't know. Too many cartoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I took that $500 and what was probably a just hugely disappointing move. I bought a television with it after that hundred <laughs> after that year was up right uh and put that in my room so <laughs> i love it i so, love it so i feel a kinship with like spending you know what meager money you have on this this television and a vcr for your room that's awesome getting um, a television for your room as a kid is such a baller move oh my oh, god yeah. it's a game changer 
for sure. Well, I mean, it was back in the day. I guess now everybody's like, who cares? You got so many, you, you know, you're three years old. You got five screens at, at your disposal right. at any time. But it back in the day, pretty big deal. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was. Um, yeah. And then all the stuff you talked about, you know, I, I didn't grow up in rural Indiana. I grew up in San Diego, but I came to rural Indiana eventually. Um, and all all the computer stuff. Yeah, I, I get it. I feel you. Um, I, I how, how did you watch this? So, like, I... I have a copy of the 4k version that was released i think last year um in that that box set and i thought it looked amazing so it didn't yeah it, i didn't come away from the movie going oh my my opinion has changed in any way other than like this movie looks a lot better than i remembered and mm-hmm. yes it's because it's in 4k but also i was just noticing a lot of things about it that i wouldn't have noticed if it was you know, like an old VHS copy or something, because I've seen this movie dozens of times, but it's always been a shitty version of it, either on broadcast television sure, sure. or on a VHS tape that's been played 60 times or fuck a VHS tape that's been recorded off of broadcast television that my aunt and uncle had in their house because they had just a fucking wall full of illegally recorded uh, <laughs> movies off of television. That's how I saw right. Star Wars for the first time. It's ridiculous. Uh and so I never had like a true appreciation of how good this movie looked until I watched it this time around. Oh, it's gorgeous. There's like so many signature shots, like Indiana Jones darkening Marion's door, mm-hmm. the secret digging of the, the, you know, into the well of souls backdropped against the, the burning sun. Uh, oh, yeah. There's a scene where they're getting the headpiece translated and Indy's like staring into this kind of like wood kind of screen thing. That's very, I mean, Steven Spielberg, my God, he knows mm-hmm. his way around a piece of glass and, and getting that light onto a, onto film stock uh i i did also see a 4k copy and i think the last time i'd seen it it was my dvd copy so it's like yeah like yeah, right right it it looks it looks beautiful this um the special effects are really good um there's a few that are dated but honestly i found it like just adds to the charm because this is supposed to be like the best version of an old Republic serial. And part of those things yeah. were cheaply done, cheaply composited matting type stuff. And this is as good as you'd ever get it, but things have moved on and you can definitely see where, you know, uh, the, the you know, like I especially noticed uh, when the Nazi car jumps over the improbable mile high cliff in the middle of the desert, uh-huh. uh, you know, that was kind of dodgy, but it, like I said, it's a, it's supposed to be a Republic serial. So when you start to see the scenes, it's charming rather than like jarring. Yeah, no, I find it super charming. The the one the scene that sticks out to me is going through um, the the cave with Marion. Or I forget exactly where they are, but she's down there and she gets like wrapped up in all these corpse hands and like you're seeing all this terrifying the imagery. Well souls. And and I thought it was pretty awesome. Uh, I thought yeah. the physical effects held up super well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the digital effects are what they are. Um, and I guess, you know, not digital effects, right? I don't know if they went in for the 4K and like redid any of these effects, but they they are exactly as I remember them from many watches. Just higher, higher fidelity. 
Yeah, I um, I love reading Roger Ebert's reviews of things, especially his great movies. And this uh, his one for Raiders is particularly legendary with me. He uh, he says this movie is just plain fun. The Kaz and screenplay yeah. is a construction of one damn thing on top of another. Well, <laughs> and it literally legitimately is legitimately how it, it came to be. Right. Like Spielberg and Lucas had a bunch of set pieces in mind and said, yeah, here are our set pieces. Go piece all this shit together, Kasdan. And he did it. And some of the connection to tissue is so thin, but you don't care. It's like there's this one scene where uh-huh. there's been a jaw dropping set piece spectacle where they're fighting on his flying Nazi wing and that's over. And then like a character comes up and is like, oh, the arc's not on the plane. It's on this truck. And the Indiana Jones is just like gets on a horse and it's now onto the, the seamlessly going to another like film defining jaw dropping set piece yeah. that it's just like it just never there's a few places where the movie catches its breath to like develop the relationship between Mary, Marion and Indy and things like that. But like they're extremely well paced and you kind of need it. Like it would start to be too much, but it just like never stops propulsively moving forward. The dialogue is crisp. It's crackling. Mm. There's tons of chemistry between all the leads and the side characters. The villains are memorable. Uh, and and smart uh, when they're not being foolish and weak uh, and they're Nazis. So it's kind of fun when that happens, too. Uh, I yeah, this this is right up there with like Empire Strikes Back or a movie from my childhood as just stands undimmed through the passage of time. Like I, I enjoyed it as a six year old and I enjoy it equally as much as a 45 going on 46 year old. Uh, in fact, I appreciate it even more because like we, we say this a lot on the Spielberg things, but like he's just a master. And I know that like Kasdan deserves a lot of credit for the screenplay, but mm-hmm. just he sells so much information about Indiana Jones in the first five minutes. So, yeah. you know, exactly who Marion Ravenwood was in the first two or three minutes of meeting her. He's just got this gift of like framing and design and uh, casting and it just all comes together. and It's perfect. This is a perfect film. It is, it is pretty perfect. You know, it, it's not I, I don't know. What's, what's your opinion on this versus uh, Last Crusade? Because I, I think they're fairly different movies after having seen I, this recently. Uh, yeah. You know, as of yesterday, um, and I think Last Crusade is maybe the last Indiana Jones that I saw um, in recent memory. You didn't see I, the Crystal Skull? No, I saw Crystal Skull. Oh, I mean, like okay. the, the the most recent of the series. Oh, that oh I, have I see seen. what you said. Um, uh, I th- I feel like Raiders is a more fun movie, or or nails like that that adventure tone a little bit better than uh, Last Crusade, but. I feel like Last Crusade is a better film generally, like slightly. I mean, it's super slight, but like there's I will more say character that it's, development. It's it's richer. Um, it, it's a maybe, you know, there's slightly more to appreciate there as like a thinking person and an adult. But like, yeah, not to take anything away from Raiders. It's amazing. I, I think I think what I, I actually prefer in a slight because none of these, you know, like (laughs) I actually prefer crusade myself because I think it has a bit more heart is what I would say. Like that central core relationship of the father and son uh, coming together, getting the appreciation for each other. Um, And it's, it's just as, I think it's just as much fun as the first one. I think the temple is the, is the clear, the temple is the, is the clear loser that like, cause that film stops having fun about 20 minutes into the film. 
uh and uh yeah. it's, it's pretty dark and dreary although i gotta say that i've seen that with the last five years and i remember it thinking like that's not as bad as i remember it i think the female lead in that was uh, underserved yeah um, i i, I don't know your typical jones what, girl for sure yeah i don't know what kind of an actor she is outside of this i i can't remember what else i've seen her in but like her character is just not good yeah well you know uh steven spielberg had just divorced his wife and hated women making that film and he had a lot of anger i mean this is like not even subtext this is like he's like oh yeah i was going through a lot in the special Mm -hmm. features so uh you know having kind of some pampered spoiled shrieking woman that was useless to everybody uh kind of kind of influenced that Uh, but but uh and it's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, got some uh, bad Asian stereotype stuff in it, but I still really like that movie. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with it. It's just a different flavor. It's not this this amazing adventure film that number one is. Coincidentally, I've recently watched uh, Raiders La- and Last Crusade and Crystal Skull, which had Ces- I found out Cecily had never watched before. And I'd, <laughs> I'd never seen it since the original time I walked staggered out of the movie theater thinking, what the fuck did I just see? Uh, proving that like, f- you know, Spielberg and uh, Ford are not infallible, you know, that they, they, they're, mm-hmm. they're not above uh, making an ill-advised movie. But yeah, they, I think um, I, I like, they're both fresh in my mind and I think they are both kind of perfect movies. Like, Oh, you might, you might be right. I, I think they're both really, really fun, but uh-huh. man, the, the father son stuff in, in uh, and Sean Connery. I mean, it, it almost knows what it is a little too much. I, there's there's something like a little less campy or like a little more naive about this movie that I really appreciate yeah. um, in its its comedy. And then you yeah. almost go too far in Raiders or sorry, in the last crusade. Yeah. With that stuff, it almost becomes a comedy movie with a little it bit of it gets a little it gets of, a little campy. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of an adventure movie with a little bit of comedy. Um yeah, I, I don't know. Both amazing movies, and this one is probably the perfect adventure movie. Although I will say, this is not my favorite Spielberg movie. And eh, in as much that's as pretty uncontroversial, yeah. In, in as much as my favorite Spielberg movie is an adventure movie, it might be also my preferred adventure movie over Raiders. It's Jurassic Park. That mm. is my number one Spielberg film of all time. Uh, probably because it hit me at the exact right time. You know, right. I'm like 12 years old, 10, yeah. 10, 10 to 12 years old, somewhere in there. And I see it in the theater, right? Because I wasn't able to see these in the theater. I talked about that VHS copy that I had. That probably had an effect, like seeing gigantic dinosaurs on the screen for the first time when like you weren't even sure that movies could do this was incredible. Uh, watching Raiders on a VHS copy was not quite as incredible. I think it's interesting. I want to talk about because people might be curious about this. Um, this movie is a strangely violent and mystical movie for two yes. uh, Jehovah's Witness kids to be able to watch. But I want to talk about uh, God magic versus all other types of magic, because I feel like uh-huh. w- witnesses kind of treat this like a documentary, like not not. I mean, they, they actually think that the if you found if the art could be found. Sure. That it would behave like this, that it's like they've got like biblical science into like, well, you know, they've just they created an ancient battery that layers of copper and gold and seal skin and the oil. And that per- <laughs> like people have uh, they've they've hooked up cards, like they, they got all this mythology about it. And the fact that like 
you know, like it's it again, I I've had problems with the old man for several years now, but I'm kind of like with Yahweh when he's burning the fucking swastika off of the crate yes. that he's being carried around. Like God's pretty cool. God's pretty awesome in this, in this film. And like, it's magic, but it's God magic. And I know I, my mom was especially uncomfortable with the grail because like, she thinks that's kind of heretical. The idea okay. that you could get Jesus cup and drink from it, but it has the name Jehovah in it. So like that was also stamped with witness approval. I sure. couldn't, I never saw temple of doom until I was an adult because that's just, <laughs> that's Hindu I mean, God mole, magic. Mole and that's, shit, yeah. that's, that's witchcraft. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's, it's a dark, it's a definitely darker film, but like, I, I thought that the God magic exception, we were all able to see Indiana Jones, even though it's su- also like, I forget how incredibly violent uh, this movie is. Not just to the face melting of it, but like blood. Yeah, I mean, I mean and Indiana Jones murders, just straight up murders people in this movie, shoots them in the <laughs> he head. Does. It's crazy yeah. to me. I'm watching this. I'm going, wait, this is not a kid's film. He's shooting people in the head. He's shooting the driver of the truck in the head. And his his uh, ex-girlfriend is exploding to death. You know, she doesn't. Really, yeah. But like, right. There's some crazy shit that happens in this movie. And he enjoys it. Like there's like uh, that yeah. that sequence of him taking over the arc truck mm-hmm. is like its own little mini movie where he goes through three <laughs> acts where he's like desperately trying to win. Then he's enjoying the power that he has over. Then it's fucking vengeance. Then he sends and he's, the dudes over the cliff and he smiles th- about it, man. He's he like, laughs. Ah, he's having him. a good old time murdering these Nazis. Uh-huh. Uh, it's yeah. No, Which, it's to be uh, fair. They're Nazis, right? And that's, that's the true. thing that the movie leans into. It's like you you get a lot you get a lot of mileage, right? For for very cheap uh, from them being Nazis. Yeah, but like yeah. the movie also has a slight bit of commentary. It doesn't really do much in the way of commentary. No, right? no. Uh, but but you talked about you know the swastika being burned off the crate by God power. Essentially, God has judged the Nazis, right? Yeah, God knows this is not the Nazis suck, just like we know. Yeah. 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 And he's, he's not trucking with them. Like, right, yeah, it's like, like very- Indy murders a good amount of Nazis, but then the Lord of hosts steps into the battlefield at the end and just <laughs> the take, Nazi takes them. Yeah. <laughs> takes them all. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's pretty good. Um, the other thing I really, man, God, where do we start with this? Um, well, it's the pulpiest of pulp movies. Uh, this is intentionally the definition so. of the pulp of bald move pulp, right? Yes. Yes. And it Although doesn't have laser guns. It doesn't have doesn't tapes, have, no. anything like that. It's just an adventure film. It's just pure fun entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but it's like also not surprisingly good, but like, there's a lot of care. Like I said, the dialogue is really good. The way this mm-hmm. movie shot, the set design, what I thought was interesting. I watched some behind the scenes material to kind of refresh my, on, on the, the ride, the plane ride home. Um, and I, I don't know if I ever knew this uh, or I've forgotten it, but Spielberg's main objective making this film was to deliver it on time and under budget. Yeah, because Jaws legendarily went like 100 days over budget and like two and a half times its schedule. Close Encounters ran 50 percent over budget. Uh, 19 was it 1942 1941 like all like he is he is beginning getting this reputation of like well yeah he makes he makes audience pleasers but he's going to give you heartburn and anxiety throughout the whole time because he's always asking for more time and more money and he's like god damn it I need to show that I'm a disciplined filmmaker 
and I want to shoot this thing on time and on budget. And he did. He delivered it, I think, yeah. 11 days early and exactly to spec. And you'd think you'd associate that with like a soulless effort, like a workmanlike. Perf- mm-hmm. But no, there is so much care and and uh, consideration put into every aspect of this film's production. But I thought that was yeah. that was kind of crazy that he and he I guess he credits a lot to George Lucas being, among other things, a truly excellent producer that can get oh, sure. shit done and knows how to like where, where you can cut corners and where you can get locations. And do you, yeah, do you, you know don't. the, the legend of the story of the, the, the Genesis of Indiana Jones? Uh, yeah, I've heard it was during a vacation. I, I read the, um, George Lucas biography that came out not too long ago. Uh, I forget who wrote that, but, uh, that, oh, that, wow. had, that went into some of this stuff. Um, well, talk, tell the story. I think it's just called George Lucas, a story, but yeah, apparently like he and Spielberg were taking a, a vacation together because it's post jaws. Yeah. Post. I guess it was like a star Wars break. They wanted to like, you know, get, get away from the star. The, 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 it, it wasn't post star Wars. It was like during the production of star Wars. Cause they were both like burnt the fuck out, like trying to, mm-hmm. trying to make this thing. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and I don't know what Spielberg was doing at the time, but yeah. I, I thought he Jaws. just released Jaws and he was looking for his next thing. Yeah. Cause it was like in 76. Um, and yeah, they went on vacation to Hawaii together and they just kind of spent a couple of weeks there. And over the course of it, like Lucas had had this idea kicking around for a long time for this Indiana Smith guy who was a very different character than the Indiana Jones you're familiar with. He got, he got changed a lot. Um, including you might recognize uh, that name got changed because Spielberg hated it. And I agree. It's a terrible name. Indiana Smith. Don't get the, don't, don't get the job done. No, it doesn't roll off the tongue like Indiana Jones, but yeah, they, they noodled on some ideas. They came up with some set pieces and then, yeah, they basically tossed the keys to Kasdan and said, make this thing into a movie, make make these scenes into a movie. Yeah, Spielberg wanted to. That's the other thing he said. I wanted to do a, a globe trotter, like something where I do on yeah. location. And, and he kept on thinking like a James Bond. I want to go like to, to uh-huh. Swiss Alps. I want to go to the Great Wall of China. I want to shoot in all these locations and 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 go all over. And and uh, Lucas, I guess they were building sandcastles in Oahu. And he's like, you, you don't want James Bond. I, I got I got the globe trotting superhero you want, and it's India. It was like and modeled after all the the old serials. They, right? they started Is talking it? about their mutual love of those old like Flash Gordon and yeah, uh, yeah that's the only it's the one I can think of. But like all these old like low budget, cheaply made serials that they, they were five or ten minutes long. They showed at the beginning of every film, and uh, I don't know why they don't do that anymore. Honestly, that'd be fucking dope but sure. they they started like you said coming up with all these decks of 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 set pieces turning over to Kasdan for like some and then it was all about like there's this whole thing legend with this like so many legends about this that they had hired Tom Selleck to be Indiana Jones yeah cast him cut checks and then CBS came in and was like not so fast we actually have a, a, a contract just under yours where we're yanking this guy to play Magnum P.I. Yeah, and you can't have man. him and George Lucas didn't want Harrison Ford because he's like hey, hey look man I got another sequel coming out I got I got plans for Harrison in the early 80s and and Spielberg's like ah no nah, you can do both and of course they won and the rest is history but I think it's a fascinating question what the world would look like if Tom Selleck had been Indiana. Cause I think he would have done a great job. Yeah. I think he can absolutely pull off this role. I, and I think 
I think Harrison Ford would have been just as famous without this role because of yeah. Han Solo. Like, yeah, I don't know that it changes much, honestly, except for Tom Selleck's shadow is even bigger. Like he's a much bigger star. Yeah, and- but he wouldn't have done Magnum P.I., right? Like, like if he's making this movie and You're turns right. down Magnum P.I. for it, he I guess he might have been bigger longer because does he get more had a longer does, does, tail. But yeah, is he Jack Ryan? Is he Air Force One? Does maybe. he do six days, seven nights with uh, what's Hage, yeah, uh, Helen's maybe. ex? Yeah, <laughs> Helen's ex-wife. I, uh-huh. I I don't know. That's that's the fascinating question. What is does it? Because I think you're right. Like Harrison Ford is going to be set on his path because of Han Solo alone. Yeah. But, you know, a successful trilogy with Selleck would have been interesting. It would have been. Um all right, where I mean, I we've we normally do a spoiler free review of this movie, but like I cannot believe that <laughs> P, there is a person out there that doesn't know exactly what Raiders of the Lost Ark is all about, doesn't know who Indiana Jones is. If I not, mean, shame on you and watch this film. If you're young, if you know you're you're in your early twenties or something, you just haven't got around to it. I could absolutely see like knowing the reputation of this movie, but not having seen it. Well, this is your Uncle Jim and Aaron saying you need to sit down, young man or woman, and watch this fucking film. It's be, it'll be good for you, and you'll you. It's it's a rare instance of taking your medicine being being delightful too. Uh-huh. Um, the thing I really like about Indiana Jones is there's this line where like Sala is asking like, "What are you going to do next?" And he's like, "I don't know. I'm making this up as I go along." That is the quintessential aspect of Indiana Jones that he is barely by the seat of his pants staying one inch above his pursuers uh staying one inch above the lava that's coming up from the 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 floor and the spikes descending from the ceiling he that's part of the reason he's laughing and enjoying because he can barely believe that he's Uh pulling this shit off um i he's not like an invincible superhero he's a guy that like if 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 you know, if you got to lift a uh, 500 pounds to save the day, he's going to get 501 and that's it. Like he's just barely yeah. doing it. He's filthy. Like, and then it starts off like the very first scenes, like it's all shot and heroic from behind. He's mysterious. And like, he's like instantly, he knows the significance <laughs> the, of these. The first the, part you see of Indiana Jones is his ass. And I, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but like he they, they're selling like he knows the significance of every dart of every rune and he knows yes. how to disable then he's like cool and in control and you get to that stage where he's doing the idol swap mm-hmm. and it all goes to hell and before you know it he's running like smoke coming off of him but it's just dust because he's covered with dust he's covered with cobwebs and he's screaming at his friend jock to start the plane and he's bare like i i love that transformation where like you think it's going to be this one thing and then indiana jones is revealed to be this guy who's just barely got his shit together he's and he, now he's back in the universe and he's telling marcus like he's apologizing for fucking up and not getting the thing and he's hoping they'll pay his bills i i just i don't know man that's such an interesting character this swashbuckling archaeologist yeah which you know brendan frazier tries to reprise in the mummy and i think it's like 90 mm-hmm. percent of the way there, there. he's, he's yeah. great uh l- let me yeah. ask you this though because I-, I see all this stuff and i look at it and then i read like some of the comments about why lucas didn't want to cast harrison ford in this movie because as he says it he didn't want harrison ford to become to him what robert de niro was to martin scorsese where he just kind of leans uh into like casting him and everything yeah 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 um and i understand that especially when 
I have a hard time distinguishing this character from Han Solo. There, there are hmm. very few ways in which they are any different. Uh, and so You're when you combine right. those two performances with, you know, the, the pop culture phenomenon that this became, I could see this becoming a trap for both of those people, actually, Lucas and Harrison Ford. I don't think they're exactly the same character. I think Han Solo has got his bulk apprehension turned down a few notches and he's got his cockiness turned up a few notches from Indiana yeah, Jones. Slight tweaks. But they are very similar archetypes. It's true because they they're both, both like barely seat of the pants, barely succeeding, very, always out of their depth, always out of their depth. Yeah. People who, um, yeah, are just getting by, appreciate like a little bit of, um, I appreciate that fact about them. Like they, they both love that fact about their character. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's very similar. Um, I also say this is a, this, this movie, uh, was seminal in another way to this, my young man life. Uh, I got on the internet at a very young age, started getting on bulls and boards when I was 12 and my handle, my online handle is dark wing duck. Now, I got mm. to be like 16 and 17. And I realized I did not want to be the guy rocking the handle of, uh, at this time, off the air Disney cartoon character. You I need something want badass. To be the terror that flaps in the night is in the not night, badass, man. Come on. I know. I know. I, I, I kind of <laughs> regret it because now, like, Darkwing is still pretty cool. Uh-huh. But I was watching this on VHS and contemplating what would be because like that's the other thing is like now everything's taken like you can't get a cool handle and Indiana Jones was writing the word Neolithic and I had happened to pause it to go use the bathroom or something and he had gotten Neolith out and I'm like holy shit and from from the time I was 17 till the time I was about 35 and I exchanged that for uh, a Ron Hubbard everywhere uh, I was Neolith on on every because like no one no one it's like it's it's a word fragment no one no one has Neolith as a handle. Uh, this this movie gave yeah. me my my online identity for a good fifteen years. <laughs> nice, it's a cool origin story. I like it. Thank you. I thought people would enjoy it. I I, I always remember your uh, you had an avatar for a long time that was like a go- golem or something. Uh, this it was rock. a rock creature. Is the is a rock creature from the Inhumanoids, uh, uh, an uh, old cartoon series? Huh. Yeah, no one has. All right, but <laughs> That's yeah, why it's so cool. burned in my brain. The 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 rock creature with Neolith next to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there, I want to talk about some of the other characters, like because uh, that's the thing that's also cool about Indiana Jones is everywhere he goes, he's got friends mm-hmm. of like similar reputation and caliber. Like Sala is a great example. John Reese yes. Davis does uh, such a great job. He's like the best digger in Egypt. What the fuck does that even mean? He's working with uh-huh. the Nazis, but he doesn't like him. Uh, he's he's kind of like a, 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 a the kind of can be a buffoon, but he's also very serious and sober. And he's a family man. He's got all these connections and um and, and he's cool. Marcus Brody. Yeah. Like. And some fans feel a certain way about this, but like there's this there's this line where Indiana Jones is getting packed up and, you know, he's packing his gun and all that. And Marcus says, if this was five years earlier, I'd sideline you and I'd go myself, implying that, like, he was an adventurer before he took an arrow through the knee or got too old. Uh Uh, 
they turn him into an eight an, an old himbo yeah and in, in, in last crusade and i know some fans like don't like that but to me like sala gets a little like he's a little bit more of a buffoon um uh there's there's a lot of more buffoonery in that movie altogether i i'm yeah. not that mad about it because he's also a little bit older and maybe uh he was always just thought a little bit too much of him i don't know like do you do you feel like they they fucked up marcus and in, in crusade or it's not my favorite although i will say the stuff of him stumbling around in the market is like some of my favorite stuff in that movie i really enjoy mm-hmm. that um plus the joke of him of indiana jones saying you don't know marcus yeah he's, the he, smash cut. he's got friends in every corner of the world he speaks seven yes. languages he knows every local custom he'll blend in he's disappeared and he's 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 already got a two weeks or two day head starts more than he needs and they smash cut to him in this uh open air market being like yep. does anyone speak ancient greek or latin <laughs> and he has no idea sticks out like a sore thumb right. yeah he's the exact opposite of solo which i i i appreciate it in those scenes anyway and you're right it's not my favorite thing about last Ar- yeah. uh, last crusade but it is i find it enjoyable and it's definitely like it's part of what i talk about when that movie i say leans into camp a lot more like and and knows what it's doing and why it's funny and all this stuff in in almost a not good way and almost like a too knowing way that's part yeah. of it certainly uh but i really enjoy that scene i don't i don't have a problem with that it's such an this this movie is such an efficient setup because like every Indiana Jones works this Jones works the Dude. same. He's like you know there's like something he's on an adventure for the museum. He gets back. He's being consulted for an expert at something. In fact, there's this great I, I can't remember the comedian, but there's this one guy who's got a great uh, bit about Indiana Jones being the ultimate blow off class. Because like, oh man, you gotta take the archaeology of Jones. Why do you want to take archaeology? No, just come to the class and like Indiana Jones and they're like, oh, we're gonna be talking about uh, excavating the peat bogs, and then you know his dad kicks in, Junior. Rommel's armies are marching across Africa. They're closing in on the Spear of Longinus, and the Spear gone. of Destiny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's like, and he's like, dun dun dun, dun and the class is canceled yeah. for the rest of the semester. semester like, dismissed. You, yep. <laughs> it's really, it's really funny, but it's true. Uh, it's like it everything is. is the exact same way, and and it's so efficient because you got the. It is very James Bond. You've always got the disconnected set piece uh-huh. that then sets up him being consulted and then off onto a world spanning adventure. And this is, and it's like, just got enough of real life that the, you know, Hitler had the fascination of the occult and he had this secret black sun society. And maybe they were trying to dig up the ark because, you know, it, it would have the power of God. Um, but it's just a thin excuse to go around the, the world. Um, I, and I, I love the opening of this movie, both, you know, the classic opening of the adventure stuff, but also that scene where he lays out the rest of the movie, um, you, you know, with uh, the well of souls, all, all that stuff. Um, the opening of this is so good. Like you said, it sets up his character and it sets it up so well. And it's su- such a subversion because it, it, the the movie subverts itself, right? In that moment where he swaps the sandbag because he's an expert. Mm-hmm. He's the mm-hmm. guy who knows all the tricks. He's seen it all. He gets into that, that, uh, chamber with the idol and he goes to swap it and you're thinking okay well this is going to go off without a hitch right yeah and he's he weighing does. out the individual sand and like you know like but yeah. the expression on his face is like the first the first indication you have that something is going to go wrong and that he is not quite the expert um, and that, that he 
that we think he is in that moment is his mm. expression when he's a little worried about the weight of the bag. But, you know, he's weighing it out. He's pretty confident. Yeah, yeah. But then he swaps it, and he's almost like, oh, shit, that worked. <laughs> Damn, uh-huh. I, I can't believe that worked. And then he turns around, and, you know, all hell breaks loose. But it's it's such a nice moment where we get an insight into the character just from a single facial expression that tells you everything bef- that came before this is like a veneer over this guy who is not quite as confident and all knowing as he seems to be probably trying to keep it together. So his men don't turn on him because if he shows a moment of weakness, sure. they're all going to betray and pounce on him like they do eventually anyway. Uh-huh. And it, uh, the, the dovetail into that, like a lot of the comedy in this film is just Harrison Ford being physically funny like yes. he runs kind of goofy. Like I love it when that big ass Nazi punches him in the face and his knees literally like wobble and buckle. Uh-huh. And and like after he just handled this much not a smaller Nazi and he's about to get on the plane and be cool and then he sees this big beefy dude like come on down here boy I want to beat your ass and and he's like okay all right like oh, yeah all right like I know what's coming and I don't want it but what I'm going to do uh, it's it's just really this and they they ramp it up in crusade of course but yes. uh frantic Harrison Ford is just kind of funny and um, the interactions that he has with Marion are so good <gasps> uh I the the one that really sticks out to me in this movie and that physical comedy that he has um is when they're down in the snake pit. Uh, oh, okay. And and they first get down there, right? And he's like, she, she <laughs> she's having an argument with him about something. I can't remember what it was. It's probably about the snakes. And mm-hmm. he's turning away to deal with snakes. And then he's turning back toward the camera and leaning into her to mm-hmm. get some barb in. And then he's leaning back the other way. There's a lot yeah. of physicality in the movement of both like the framing and the, and what he's actually trying to do in that moment and this argument. It's a really intricately choreographed scene. Uh, oh, Car- and, and Karen she just pulls Allen it off flawlessly. She's amazing. She, I want to talk. I want to talk about Marion next, and let's start with her yeah, because, yeah. like, she holds her own with this guy. This guy is like the <laughs> biggest megawatt movie star of all time, and she is like the way she tries to climb him like a tree when she first gets down <laughs> into this, and then like she she sees this in the dim light. She sees his uh, whip coiled up on his hip and tries to burn it because she thinks it's a snake. Uh-huh. Um, but. Marion Ravenwood, my clear, although as a younger man, I got to say, I really like the blonde Nazi. Uh, it's, it's not, you know, okay. everybody has everybody has uh, problematic uh, faves. But like From the older I get, the more I I unironically and unabashedly love Marion uh, Ravenwood. Mm-hmm. What a gal like the, her introduction where she's sandbagging this ginormous, I don't know what this guy, he could be Russian or whatever, drinking him under the table. Uh, and the way she deals with Indiana Jones, like the, you know, there's this, uh, the, the, the dialogue they got where it's like, Hey, I can only say sorry. Uh, so many times we'll say it again. Cause I want to hear it. And then the way mm-hmm. after they fight all this stuff, I love that scene where he asked for whiskey <laughs> Um, but by the end of the scene where she's like, uh, well, you got more than you bargained for. Cause until I get my $5,000, I'm your new goddamn partner with the, the, bra- the brass piece right in the camera. Just what a great introduction. And the yeah. fact that at every bit in the movie, like, yeah, like she saves Indiana Jones. Sometimes he saves her. Sometimes, sometimes he saves her. And then it's like, Oh, actually I can't save you yet. Cause the get back. So I'm going to retire. Like it all works so well. Uh, and they feel like they're on such even even footing yes. the entire movie. 
And I, and I absolutely love her introduction. I think it's it's one of the best character introductions along with Indy. Um, she the, the the way she drinks this guy under the table. I believe she could have gone a few more rounds with him. Oh, she's sandbagging it because as soon absolutely. as it's over, she's instantly like, you know, I'm not saying she's sober, but she's not nearly no, as drunk. It, and I love how I love how she's acting that because when Indy comes in and like she's cleaning up the bar right from this raucous sure competition uh-huh. they had. There, there are like 25 shot glasses on the table and she's she's sober enough to be cleaning up the bar and not stumbling or slurring her words. Mm. But she is drunk enough to make four trips to this table back and forth. And there's another beautiful moment of choreography where she is arguing with Indy, you know, if he hasn't seen him mm. in a long time and about their past relationships and all this. Yeah. And and she's going to the table. She's loading up 10 of the shot glasses. She takes the tray back to the bar realizes she Mm -hmm. hasn't got all the shot glasses doesn't unload those shot glasses brings Mm -hmm. the tray back loads more shot glasses leaves the full one there accidentally it's it's a beautiful moment of like she's just with it enough to get the job done but not as super efficiently it's it's so good and just in the middle of the fight when like the (laughs) the bear the 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 casks of ale or whatever get shot and she takes a moment (laughs) to like drink right out of the barrel (laughs) the the bull and Can't my, let it go to my, waste, right? The the thing in this movie that cracks me up every single time is where that scene where there's she's starting to clean him up, and uh, Indiana Jones is like, like looking at how bad he looks in the mirror, and he gives her a compliment, which causes her to like want to look at herself, and she swings that big mirror and it catches him right under the chin, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it goes out to like the boat at night, and you just hear Harrison Ford scream. It was such a uh, it was such a weird <laughs> cut for me because I was watching this with my wife and. When that happens, when she swings the mirror, my wife screamed at the same time that Indiana Jones does. And so I didn't hear the scream from Indiana Jones. I heard her scream. And I'm thinking, like, it's a really jarring cut. This just cut from Indiana Jones getting hit to outside the boat and then back in in, like, the span of a second. Yeah. And I had to rewind it. Like, what the hell? And then I heard Indy screaming outside. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it's God, it's it's so funny. And then the her trying to, you know, uh, start cleaning his wounds and him. Ah, nah. And then, you know, where doesn't it hurt right here on the elbow? And it turns into this romance. And then then just when you think it's going to he's going to be the consummate ladies man, he passes out because, of <laughs> yeah. course, he has this man probably hasn't slept in three days and he fought right. an entire Nazi army almost single handedly. No, it's it's fantastic. Um, one, one of the other elements um while we're still here at the beginning of this movie i guess that i really love is in that scene where they lay out you know the rest of the movie like i said uh i and you you brushed up against this too with like sulla and and brody and all these people that he knows all around the world and i feel like that's a a version of this movie that or a thing in this movie that i really love because that's how professionals get shit done right they know people they know they, they don't know everything like Indiana Jones is never going to know how to decipher every single language on every artifact that could exist. Um, and so he's he like the Pawn Stars guy. He he's got he's got an ancient Hebrew guy. Right. I, I got a rifle guy. I got a I got a, a colonial military guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got all those things and he reaches out to them and and he reaches out through like an interconnected network of other people, too. It's not just who he knows. It's who they know. And that to me was like very cool when like he's telling Sulla, hey, go back and arrange for like all these people uh, to give us transportation. And then he reaches out to the pirate. 
right? There's this this mm-hmm. tree that just kind of branches out from Indy of all the people he knows. And that felt really true to life to me in a way yeah. that was still fun, not boring. Yeah. Um, I want to talk, keep talking about more of the characters. Like, I don't know this guy's name. Uh, I think he's got one, but the, the Nazi goon, the, the trench coat wearing burnt hand face melting. He is so great. Yeah. Uh, the, like the, when when he comes in and there's the hanger where he's got this like looks like this Jesus. crazy torture instrument and he just folds it up into a thing to hang his trench coat on. Uh, the way he talks is so distinctive and it's like this guy shouldn't be threatening. This guy should be bullied uh, for be it, but he's 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 because he's a Nazi and the Nazis love that stuff. He's got this incredible power to wield cruelty. Um, so he's mm-hmm. he shouldn't be a scary person. He's a pathetic individual. Um, but he's he's all mobbed up at the Third Reich, so you got to take him seriously. I yep. love that fucking character. I love how silly they make him look at the end. Like all three of those guys screaming and their faces melt and explode is gross, but it's also hilarious. Like that guy's open oh, mouth yeah. screaming is objectively hilarious as well. Oh yeah, right before he melts. Yeah, it's great. And it's such such a great like the fact that he burns his hand. That's how the Nazis get the impression. But there's an inscription on his second side that makes him like it's just goddamn the script. This it sings every everything in this film is set up or payoff. Not only is Marion Underwood drinking that Russian guy under the table, an entertaining scene and a great introduction. It also sets up the whole thing with uh, Belloc at the end or in the middle. Which is also hilarious that when she pulls that fucking knife and they both hilar- they both laugh. It uh-huh. is so funny. It, it is. is so it is so funny. Um, everything in this movie is either set up or pay off. Indiana Jones, yeah. scared of snakes, going to pay off. Um, a lot the, of echoes of themes and, and and callbacks and stuff that that work super well. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a yeah. very tightly scripted like and and directed film. This is Hallmark yeah. Spielberg for me. For sure. Uh, let's talk about Belloc, because I think he is one of the better uh, Jones villains. Um, he is, you know, he's got this thing where there's a rivalry. Uh, he excuses his behavior because he thinks Indiana Jones is just like him. He's just like, oh, just one more nudge to knock you off the light. And I love Harrison Ford's line reading of now you're getting nasty because he's like <laughs> doesn't think he's like this guy at all and he's smart he's smart he detects the fact that there's some illicit digging going on and understands the significance of it he's smart enough to uh outwit jones with like the 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 local help um and exploiting these natives like he's a very shrewd and and ruthless guy he also knows that deep down indiana jones cannot destroy the ark of the covenant any more than he could blow up the pyramids of Giza because yeah. he respects history and his place in it too much that he'd rather be taken, which I, I don't know if I agree with Indiana Jones being taken, taken prisoner by the Nazis rather than blow up a, an old gold coat, gold leaf embossed cedar chest. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I was watching uh, some of Ty and that guy's coverage of this movie and Ty was talking about this and I, I feel like it's embedded in the movie, but boy, they don't comment on it much. But in that one scene with Belloc and Indy where they're in the table and Belloc says, you're no different than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's the one time where they kind of, you know, let the facade of just an adventure film down a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
And this is important because like one of the things that that strikes me about this movie is how realistic the plot is at its most fundamental level. Like the Nazis were notorious um, cultural thieves. They came in, they stole, they pillaged paintings from museums of every country that they occupied. Uh, and they took those back to the motherland, right? They, mm-hmm. they they were notorious about this stuff. And so them going out and culturally appropriating all of the uh, religious icons of other cultures seems right up their alley. And I, I really appreciated that. But when you look at Indiana Jones, this is what Ty was talking about. I He's no different. He really is no different, right? It belongs in a museum, but in what country, Mr. Jones, Dr. Jones? Uh, that's what I would ask you, because you're taking it back to America. You're taking it back to California. I don't think yeah. that's where those civilizations wanted their artifacts. I think they wanted no, it's, them right it's, where they made them. I mean, I think that's where, uh, and that God, you know, as, as Americans, that we cannot hold our heads much higher than anyone. But if I'm a if I'm a French person or Compared an English to the person, Brits and the, the Nazis, I think we can. I think we can. Well, but that's because we didn't. We got there too late to steal yes, everything. Yes, but and like we no, don't have anywhere to bring it back to. We just no, we just yeah. took all their land too, and so the stuff's still here. It, it, exactly. Um, but I think it's that 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 is a good point because like there's even a line where Marcus is like, uh, "Oh, I'm sure you followed all the international standards for blah." The fuck, <laughs> Marcus? You ought, actually ought to look at his expense reports and his act because like I don't think I don't think that's true. I don't think he's no, I don't think he's following no. any kind of international uh, guidelines for shit, man. <laughs> um, definitely not. But yeah, it's but also it like interesting perspective on Indiana Jones that I hadn't considered ever when I watched this movie. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, man, there's so many. I We talked about Saul a bit. They got an evil monkey in this film. Uh-huh. This evil monkey. Heil Hitler's a Nazi this evil monkey? monkey, a Nazi monkey. Shit. He he's a snitch, too, I by know. the way. He's the worst a snitch. Kind. Uh, and, and he gets his comeuppance. Like, that's the other thing is like yeah. all, all the bad people get their comeuppance almost either right away or eventually in the fullness of time in yeah, this, you know, in this you know, movie. The, the old saying snitches get bad dates. <laughs> they do. Classic, they get poison yeah. dates. Um, what else do we want? Cause like I, the other thing is, I guess I want to talk about the set pieces. Can, can we go back to Indy real quick? Because I just yes, want to say one more thing about him as a character. And I think this is as telling as any other shot in the movie or any piece of dialogue. Uh, once he finds out that, OK, he's been commissioned essentially by the the American government to go get the Ark of the Covenant. He packs his jacket, his whip, his gun, and that's it. Like literally the only things that make it in his suitcase are those three things. And it tells you everything you need to know about that character. He's That's, not going to yeah, change clothes ever the entire time he's nope. on the mission nope. uh, unless he needs to get into a disguise. And he relies on those three things, his jacket, his whip, his gun. And if he needs a disguise, he's just going to beat it off of the nearest Nazi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not yeah. like he's going to pack it or anything. Uh-huh. No, it's great. And like also like the other thing is like the sound design on this sh- is pretty legendary. Um, like yeah. the sound that Indiana Jones pistol makes when it shoots is actually like a 50 caliber, like large barrel gun. When okay. Indiana Jones punches a guy, it's a dude with a baseball bat 
uh, uh, hitting a pile of leather jackets. Like everything just sounds so fucking big and testosterone. The explosions, the punches, uh, the, 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 the dude getting chewed up by a, a airplane mm. motor, the mm-hmm. sound of like the thrumming power of the arc burning the Nazi sigils off. Yeah. The sound design at the end Ooh. when they whip off, when, when the, they whip off the top of the arc and uh, the Holy spirit comes out. Oh, it's yeah. just great. And we have to talk about Johnny Williams, dude. Yeah. How can you not? The Raiders March, Marion's theme, uh, the pow- I can't remember what the the opening of the the arc is called, but like that kind of like very spooky, mystical, and how it mm-hmm. starts off with be- you know Bellic. It's oh, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. These are angels, and then it turns, you know, the angel's face turns into a death mask, and then shit starts happening, and the music instantly changes. This soundtrack is so fucking good. Yeah, I mean it's definitive. Um, this is this is perhaps the second best work that John Williams has ever done. Uh, yeah. And he's done a lot of truly amazing work. I mean, he's prolific. Uh, yeah. And th- this is amazing. I will say, I absolutely love the Indiana Jones theme. I think Jurassic park might be my favorite theme of his period ever. Mm. It's amazing. Um, it's very good. Boy, the way that thing swells, it's, it's just incredible. This does it too, though. I mean, this star Wars, obviously, uh, I I have a little bit of a gripe to to register here, a complaint to register with Mr. Williams, though. Uh, oh yeah, this I will be say good. the Marion theme and the Han and Leia theme are almost identical. It's it's in a slightly mm. different key, but it is damn near identical. It's hard to tell yeah. them apart. Actually, I think you are perhaps correct. I think he just um, recycled that from empire but that's the thing is like I, I do it does drive me fucking crazy when people say all of john williams shit says uh sounds the same because oh, no, you're just no, ignorant no. of everything he's done like they like if you want to take all their soaring scores sure like sure. and put them in one category like okay raiders march and superman and star wars and you know even throw harry potter main theme all that stuff but he did you know the his soundtrack of catch me if you can minority report sure. war of the worlds like you probably a lot of people probably didn't even know he did those films, but they're like mm-hmm. he's perfectly capable of this of, of, of doing whatever the film requires. Um, the Patriot, wonder, artificial intelligence, like he's done Armistad, Saving Private Ryan, right? Like, yeah, I find it hard to believe that there's anyone on this planet who has not heard a John Williams score at some point, even if they didn't know it. Like, yeah, he he's known for Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Jurassic Park, but I think. I mean, the man's done so much work. He's Home like alone. 90 years old. <laughs> Home alone. Okay. Yeah. Like he's just, yeah, nice. it's, 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 it's like, I feel like it's, it's revealed. It's revealing a view. If you say all Johnny Williams shit sounds the same. Cause that tells me yeah, you've yeah, only yeah. seen the biggest pop culture shit that or, is. Yeah. Or maybe you only know of the, of those movies that you've seen of his, right. And you have seen the Home Alones. And right. You have seen yeah, the yeah, Catch yeah, Me yeah. If You Cans. You just didn't know it was John Williams. Schindler's List. Yeah. Right. Um, I want. Do you want to talk about the set pieces now? Okay, sure. Because the thing about the Indiana Jones, we talked about it's one damn thing after another. There's these legendary fight scenes that are just like pell-mell. You know, like he's just like, uh, there's like almost a, a Jackie Chan aspect to it where there's a lot of props mm-hmm. going on. There's a lot of him accidentally punching one guy that causes him to punch two guys. And so I also love, but yeah. There's also, I love the times where Indiana Jones gets momentarily aligned with the guy he's fighting. 
Like he's struggling with the gun of the bar and the Nazi says, kill them, kill them both. And then they both are like, oh, working together to kill the uh, immediate threat. There's another scene where they're, the, the him and his Nazi are struggling for control over this truck and they're about to like run into a tree and they narr- they work together for a moment to narrowly avoid it. And then they kind of look at each other like, hey, we saved. And then, of course, Indiana Jones throws him out of the cab. I, I love that stuff. The I'm sure most people have heard this story, but if you haven't, the iconic scene of Indiana Jones squaring off with this big scimitar wel- welding wielding warrior was supposed to be an elaborately choreographed whip versus sword fight. Mm-hmm. And Harrison Ford had gotten some kind of local flu that had laid him low for days and he was barely able to make the set call. And I can't remember if the story is that he improvised it or it's just something where he's like, they went to try it that just like, you know what, just whip out the gun and shoot this guy. And it's one of those great accidental moments of movie magic because it's perfect for the character. This set piece didn't need any more embellishing. My God. No, no, no. no. And it's hilarious. It's hilarious. The subversion of your expectations as an audience. Oh, I love it so much. I mean, that's an iconic move uh, for the Indiana Jones character. I I think like this movie would be lesser with a bigger fight scene there. Yeah. and you're 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 giving Mr. Ford a little bit of cover here because not only was it a flu, it was specifically an ass flu. Like he had I, I thought I remembered shitting, it was one of those, yeah. Just couldn't stop shitting. And mm-hmm. uh, the way I hear it or the uh yeah, the, the thing I hear is like he came to set saying, Look, I cannot do much here, but I'm going to do, you've got me for like an hour and let's do this. I brought thing. my brown pants today. George, <laughs> but can we try this shot this way? And he was just like, yeah, go for it. And Spielberg loved it. And yeah, the rest is history. I love the basket scene where he rounds that corner and he sees all these guys. Tra- and there's like this moment where Indiana Jones processes what he has to do and the storm of shit that he's going to get it. Yeah. And then he just That's, like, does I mean, it. He, He's picking a fight with an entire market square. And <laughs> and he's already got like half the city on his ass. He right? just turned the rest of the city against him. Yeah, if they weren't pissed at him before or hired to kill him before, they're going to kill him now. Yeah, it's such a great yeah. scene. And I'm just like, oh, you asshole. The cleanup of that. Uh, th- there's so many other stunts in this scene. There's just like minor moments that I love. The, the one that really gets me is when he puts the sword somebody puts a sword through another dude like mm-hmm. Indy dodges out of the way right next to a, a apple stand and it spears two apples and then they show the reverse shot of that with the apples behind the guy and he pulls the sword out and the apples fall I'm not even actually sure how they did that stuff wow let alone yeah. like it's it's one of my favorite moments in that entire scene they made a goon kebab and then disassembled it yeah I don't know how they pulled it off but it's hilarious I love I'm so the German flying wing is another great set piece and it looks amazing and like her like it's just like such infant like you know and chalk one set of wheels and she gets distracted and out of things spinning she goes to try to fight the pilot and she gets locked in the thing and kills him and he slumps forward guns the engine so that's spinning even faster um, but I, I want to get to the truck scene because this is still to this day a jaw dropping stunt Um where mm-hmm. a guy went underneath this truck in real life. And now there's a lot of things that they do to make it like if since someone pointed this out to me, I see it every time that they've dug a shallow trench 
that the yeah. the, the the truck is straddling. But like when it's going at full speed, um, it's it's hard to see, and it just it looks great, and it's all real. They got a real guy to crawl underneath that truck going at a pretty good clip. Uh, they're not speeding up right or here, slowing yeah. down. Yeah. And he's being drugged by this thing. Then 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 when he's uh, got the, uh, the the whip out, he's just legit being drugged. There's nothing they, they talked about. Like, you know, if, if they had missed a rock and they're checked that that could that guy could have gotten really hurt. If he tumbled a certain way, he could have gotten really hurt. And <laughs> I mean, it's thrilling. This stunt is something they do to torture people. And the stuntman mm-hmm. was just like, yeah, let's do it. And it's such, like I said, it's such a movie in three acts where Indiana Jones takes control and then they send the goons after him and then he beats them all off. And then the one guy that got, looks like Paul Hogan gets up there and gives him the business. And then when he finally, like, <laughs> he he almost gets his crotch ran over and then he gets on and he gets drugged by the thing and he gets the whip and he gets back. And then he's like, it's in the, the Indiana Jones is like uh, theme is bassier and more percussive. And he's like a, a vengeful God. And he's going to put this guy through everything that he just got put through. And he's uh-huh. like, there's no, it's a, it's just this, this savage grin. He's got in his face as he's smashing this guy against the dash, throws him over. And then the guy gets ran over and he goes flying at the end. It's, it's mm-hmm. God damn. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, I've seen these. I've seen this movie a hundred times and these stunt sequences still are are riveting. Completely. Uh, They don't overstay their and they don't overstay their welcome and they have maximum stakes all the time. And I talked about those little echoes throughout the movie. It's it's an echo within a scene, right? Like that Mm -hmm. that rhythmic pattern of like Indiana Jones is going to endure this and then he's going to force the guy to who made him endure it to endure it himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's incredible just from like a a comedy standpoint. One of my, one of my favorite moments though, is the very beginning of that scene where he rides the horse up to the truck. He jumps onto the truck and he's crawling along the side. And then can you imagine you're driving down the road and suddenly with a passenger and suddenly somebody you're at speed and somebody opens your door and pulls your passenger out and then <laughs> yeah. leaps in and attacks you. I mean, yeah, that's fucked up, man. I don't care if you're a Nazi in the middle of world war two, you just yeah. don't expect that yeah. shit to happen. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often though. No. Usually there's medals of honor attached to that kind of hijinks. And also yeah. he's such a dirty fighter. He's a biter. <laughs> He throws he pocket sand. Uh-huh. He's like, like, cause he don't give a fuck. He's going to be the guy that walks, that, that walks away from this fight. And like, this isn't like blood sport. This isn't some kind of Kumite. There's no rules. No, uh, there's less rules than this. And the Kumite is supposed to not have rules. So I, but I, I do love that, that he, uh, there's nothing that he, he'll do crotch, crit, uh, crotch <laughs> kicks, <laughs> eye gouges, hair pull. He'll do whatever it takes to, to get on, on, uh, out on top. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and we kind of, you know, glossed over, or we, we talked about it a little bit, but we didn't talk about it as a set piece, the introduction, right? Um, and just how epic that is, uh, with all these booby traps, but then the rolling <sighs> rock, the rolling the, the rock, boulder, that's, that's <laughs> pretty incredible. Um, I hear Harrison Ford almost got killed during that as well. Uh, I believe it. He almost it got looked his, dangerous his, as hell. I think he got ran over by that plane in the, the, the big, big guy fight sequence, right? Oh really? Wow! I hear, yeah, his leg got crushed or something. Um, oh my or god! Almost got crushed. Uh, it had a similar scare in this scene, but yeah, that rock scene is so—it's so amazing. And I'd never, I to this day haven't really seen anything like it. Uh, it's just this like combination of action and character 
and just like all all the things I want to know about indie, I'm finding out in this scene. All the excitement I want of an opening to a movie, I'm getting in this scene. It's just kind of a perfect yeah. opening. And again, it's all set up and payoff. They like they sell how careful and and controlled Indiana Jones is getting around the traps and carefully navigating away and all that. And then the idol falls and you know what everything he's gone past. He's got to go all through it like at 10x speed. And he's just like barely avoiding the arrows. He's barely jumps across this chasm and he's like almost like he almost gets crushed by the door. And then when he thinks he can relax, the the stone ball starts rolling. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the the sound design on that, like everything like that shit's all foam rubber and shit. But you think it's a 500 ton granite boulder. Uh, And that's the thing, like all the effects with rare exception in this movie really hold up like that scene in in the, the map room where he's using the staff to do the, like everything is just so rock solid and beautiful, mostly because it's, it's a lot of practical effects. You know, it's, there's, there's no, there's no digital effects at all. No, all the, all these corpses look great. Um, the, the impaling of, uh, doc Ock looks Mm -hmm. awesome. Uh, the, the one thing I cannot get past is like okay so he makes his escape right he he runs out there like he's surrounded by these tribesmen who have been hired by belloc to uh take the idol from him and he has to run away and he makes his escape on this uh, pontoon plane and he has to like swim out to it while it's taking off and then it takes Mm -hmm. off and these guys are are crazy these guys are crazy what are they doing they're wearing so I get an Indiana Jones like signature look, but he's wearing his hat in an open air cockpit. Uh, <laughs> but the other guy who's the pilot who presumably flies this stuff all day is wearing a New York Yankees cap, a mm-hmm. ball cap and an open cockpit plane. Uh, that seems windscreens are surprisingly effective. I mean, yeah, maybe maybe he knows he's not tall enough to hit the airstream there, but like Harrison Ford certainly is. You can see his hat just going all over and they must have glued mm-hmm. stapled. I don't know what they did. <laughs> Nail gun that thing to his head because it's crazy. That fedora. Oh, my God. I can't believe how good it looks in some scenes after it gets beat. Because there's a scene. There's like a yeah. the very rare dapper Harrison Ford scene. Like, I think the only yeah, other one you get in the plane. whole series is uh, him at the Obi-Wan nightclub in the second one where he's wearing the white yeah, tux. Yeah. Like that's that's Spielberg's fuck it. I'm going to make a James Bond intro if it kills me yep. um, down to the, the white tuxedo jacket. But yeah, like it like that thing looks like like it just came out of J.C. Penney's and it just had gone through the jungles of wherever to the point where I wasn't even sure it was the same hat. It might not, but it has to be right. I would think it would have to be the same hat, but he's dressed up. So maybe he has like, maybe the dress he's got a dress hat. and then his adventuring mm-hmm. hat. I'm not sure. Uh, I know there are nerds out there and, and, and I'm not using the word nerd disparagingly, but there are nerds out there who no. know this shit. Like we I've seen Adam too. Savage basically recreate every single prop from every one of these movies. Yeah. Minus he's wa- crystal skull. So I know he also, he also, I guess I, he's wanting to do the arc. He's got a lot of the stuff he needs to do it, I've but it's like, yeah. he's like, I just don't have a place to put it. And I'm like, it's Oh big. man. Um, I then, you know, there's uh there's the submarine set piece, which is kind of, although that's also the biggest, what the fuck moment. Like how the hell does Indiana Jones go from being on the deck of the submarine to like going across the Atlantic to Malta or wherever, you know, like, yes, he goes from what Cairo to like an island in Greece or something. Is that what it is? Yeah. Malta. 
Yeah, somewhere off of Greece. I don't know the exact yeah. island. But yeah, and apparently they just never submerge the entire time. I feel like that that's that the first scene is like they are. But I mean, that, that, that that's actually the case for a lot of U-boats is they they spent most of the time on the surface because they couldn't surface very long. As soon as they did, they were on battery power and the batteries of the day just oh. couldn't sustain a long. So like what they would do is stay on the surface, try to spot and they're they're very low in the water, but try to spot uh, a ship and then submerge to, to, to attack or to get away. OK, so maybe that's but not I, ridiculous. They're not going to spend the entire time on the top. I assume that he had to get get in and, and stow away someplace but whatever yeah i mean he doesn't um, they they show him at the end when they arrive at the island just on top of the boat still <laughs> so unless he sneaks in and back out then no he's been on the top and then uh, let, uh, let me ask you about that travel sequence because this is one of the iconic things from indiana jones that so many adventure movies have have taken and this might not be an indiana jones original um mm-hmm. it could be uh, but I think it might be. It's the map overlay stuff that they're doing to show like so clutch where they are in the world. And I think that's like super important just from like an understanding the geography perspective. I don't know about you, but I always feel more grounded when I understand where in the world they are exactly. Not just, oh, they're somewhere in South America, right? Because this movie does that too. It just says Mm -hmm. South America in the first thing. And then they give you very specific countries and cities, right? Nepal, Cairo, like yeah, yeah, yeah. They're really zooming in there, but South America, they don't give a shit. Uh, but I, I always feel really grounded and good about knowing exactly where I am. And it doesn't no, those so are those are so great. They're like these old faded maps and the red line going. And like if it's a plane, it goes in these nice, graceful arcs and the the submarines kind of squiggly and file like it. Yeah, they're I'm glad you talked about that because that's what I wanted to call out specific. Like that feels like an Indiana Jones hallmark. And I, I think you're right that they probably had things like that in those old Republic serials. Um, but this is just like the best version of that you can do. Yeah. All the Indiana Jones stuff is stuff from those serials. that has been distilled and, and mm-hmm. perfected. And then I want to talk about the, uh, the Jewish ceremony at the end, uh, where they pop the top of the, of the arc off. That's what the Nazi says. I'm uncomfortable with this Jewish ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, I think these effects, the supernatural storm that forms the uh, the the cloud of light inside the ark, the angels floating around, and especially the lightning that shoots out of this thing goes through the camera things, through the Nazi stomachs, illuminating their eyes like. It's solid. Like, it looks like it's really happening. It looks like the worst thing is happening to these guys, and it's really happening. I know it's like hand rotoscope shit, mm-hmm. but like, unlike a lot, like we just saw Masters of the Universe, it has some of the worst experience, uh, examples of like people, and that came almost 10 years later. <laughs> right. This shit still looks amazing. That guy's skull melting. Yeah. Which you're. You know, I don't, I don't know how many people know this, but we a couple of Christmases ago, we did the Paul Giamatti Christmas and your wife did this in miniature. Yeah. She made a gelatin skull face of Paul Giamatti that yeah. we, that we melted with uh, a heat gun in for in, in uh, over like a tin. This just like they, they show in the special making of features. Yeah, uh, it's essentially a stop motion um, 
thing where you're just filming over yeah like 10 minutes to melt this thing down and then and you then speed it up in a couple of seconds and it looks so good and i'd say it's a contrast to bellic because steven spielberg famously was not happy with the bellic head exploding which is uh, why he overlays yeah. like this giant fire explosion and practical effects and and layers it up in the camera to hide the fact that it's like a foam rubber head that doesn't really look like the guy kind of exploding uh, ILM didn't, but they, they, they hit it well. But that, that that final scene, and and I always wonder, it's like why why did why did Indiana Jones come with the idea of not looking at the thing, and what was the experience like to survive that? Because like Marion and for uh, and Ford. Indy are writhing and they're screaming and this fire and these ghosts and everything's going around the them. Sound. The sound, the sound. My God. Yeah. What is it? And then you open your eyes and it's such a great scene because it's 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 this pristine swept canyon floor with the admittedly beautiful Ark of the Covenant gleaming mm-hmm. untouched in in the foreground. Ah, uh, yeah. No, it's it's an incredible scene. The, the thing I love most about it is the anticipation they've built over this entire film with the Ark of the Covenant, right? They start it when you hear the words Ark of the Covenant, you make the association and with with power, right? Mm-hmm. And they talk about its power uh, throughout the movie. And by the time they get to this point, the audience is so desperate to see the Ark opened, the visualization. Like, they, they just want to know what it is going to look like, right? What is going to happen when they open yeah. this Ark? Yeah, I mean, this is the definition of of only using half the seat, right? Because you're sitting yeah. so far forward, wanting to see it, uh, just drooling at the anticipation, and then let you have it, and it's everything you hoped it would be. It doesn't. It does not disappoint in any way. And and I was, look, I was a kid when I saw this. It was certainly terrifying for me. It was. But as a as a movie go, and I've seen. Far crazier, far better special effects. But as a moviegoer in 1981, seeing this in the big theater for the first time, this must have been mind blowing. I was thinking the exact same thing because I remember I want my parents saw this on opening week and I begged them to go because all I knew is like fucking Han Solo's in this movie yeah, and the commercials yeah. look cool. And it's like this event, like all this guy yeah, going out in the forest and doing adventures, all this stuff. And they're like, I don't know. We're going to my parents are pretty big on the like watch pre watching stuff. And they're come home and I could I could tell they loved it, which drove me crazy. But they're also said, you know, Aaron, <laughs> you would have wanted to leave like a three different points of this movie. And I that it, I was, I think, 12 before I was like, I've talked about a lot. I was pretty much a pussy when it comes to horror, scary stuff. I was like 12, 13 before I watched this and appreciated. I, yeah, I can't imagine because it's like such a great like you write the build up of like what's going to happen and the yeah. pacing of like, you know, when it first happens, like what's going on? And, you know, it's going to turn. But like, I can't imagine people thought that's what was going to happen. And it just must have been but, but like something crazy... they wanted too, right. It's like it's nothing you could have guessed, but it's everything you wanted. And it just keeps building. It does like these guys <laughs> yeah. start screaming. The fire comes out. The angels start killing everybody. Everything gets taken up halfway to heaven. And uh-huh. it all comes like sh- right back into the ark. It's and then they have like the end on a perfect note of like mystery and adventure, because where is the ark? I don't know. Top men are researching it. Someone needs to look at the pet because it's like, you know, it's got the power. And and uh, yeah, we're, we've got this. And then it's just filed away in some ginormous yeah. government facility with countless mm-hmm. other relics and, and powerful items. Yeah, and it will it be ever under researched? You know, it's and yeah. it's this moment, this return to righteousness for Indiana Jones. You can, 
you can have him like going and and killing a bunch of people who maybe were hired goons of Nazis, but shooting people mm-hmm. in the head, you know, reveling in them flying off of cliffs, that stuff puts a darker tone on it. And you kind of forget that he's this guy who wants to see these relics preserved, right? you know, in the most charitable definition or attribution right. of, of his goals. Yeah. Uh, and, and this brings it back, right? He wants to see this researched and understood. He's still the archaeologist, right? He's not just the Nazi murderer. Uh, yeah, I think it's a perfect way to close the book on Indiana Jones as a character without closing the book on the artifact itself. I always think that's such a great angle to the Nazi murder because like, I think it's, I always thought it was cool that Steven Spielberg, he's born the year after the close of world war two, a Jewish boy himself, you know, growing up in that era, it had to be all like allies versus Nazis. And when he gets to be an established filmmaker, he makes a story, co-creates a story about a guy who just goes around the world murdering Nazis. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic. such a it's such a it's such a um, an interesting, interesting angle. Then he'll do the adult version, uh, you know, with uh, with right. uh, Schindler's List and and Saving Private Ryan later. But uh, I always thought that's an interesting angle to it, too. That must have been really, really fun. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. Everyone like everyone seemed to have fun making this movie. Harrison Ford. Uh, I don't famously. He doesn't really gush. But when I was watching these behind the scenes making ofs, he really seems to just he's like, I really enjoyed making all three of these movies. I was happy to show up. Everyone was like palpably like believing in the project and trying to do their best. And that's the other thing I saw. I referred from George and, and Stephen both. They both said that like at every stage we thought this was pretty amazing. Like, oh, we were pretty pleased with the idea. We came off the beach in Oahu and then we gave it to Kaz and like, oh, my God, look at the script. And uh, Kathleen Kennedy says to this day, it's still the greatest script she'd ever read. And then they start seeing the pre-production designs and they see Harrison in the fedora and they're just like, there's like giddy, like, oh my God, this just keeps getting better and better and better. And then, you know, they hear Johnny Williams score the Raiders March for the first time. And like, it's just one of those things where it's like everybody tried their best and at every level it worked and just became greater and greater and greater, which is, I mean, that's, I mean, we just watched a 10 part miniseries, the, the offer uh, about like what a magical experience making movies is and seems to be one of them. And this is one of the ultimate crowd pleasers, too. It's, you know, if you're not like, let's say, you know, you get dragged to this adventure movie by your husband or something. Well, guess what? You got some fucking eye candy coming up. Harrison Ford in the prime. I mean, he got in great shape for this movie. Uh, He's just like, yeah, absolutely magnetic. Uh, Or if you are just there for the adventure, it has some of the all time greatest uh, action scenes uh, you've ever seen. And if you're there for the comedy, it's got plenty of that. You know, it's it really it's I don't this movie is unimpeachable. It's just it's just perfect top to bottom. I I will say, uh, let me let me throw something in here that is only weird by modern standards. Um, It's the accent and language work in this movie. This movie is a clusterfuck of language stuff from people who are doing just god awful south american accents to people who are doing <laughs> god awful german accents to officers who are addressing their direct reports in english and they are this supposed like to be bad, badly germany. accented german english yeah 
but yeah uh, Ter- hogan's Terribly, heroes say, type of shit and and other times they're referring they're addressing them in german it's like pick a fucking lane like get some grasp on i mean jonathan reese davies at some point is speaking english to germans i think they're supposed to have understood it there are very few germans in 1936 who would have understood english john reese davies speaks english to germans uh, and i think they understand him and they're are very few Germans who would have understood English in that day. In 1936, like this was this was World War II, and yeah. America is only the influence, and the the English language is only really the influence around the world that it is because of post World War II stuff. Mm. So, for a large swath of the Nazi Germany army uh, or military to understand English is just asinine. It wouldn't have happened. And I get, you know, you fudge this, but when you combine like all of these caveats and the yeah. bad accent work, I think Belloc is supposed to be French. He does oh, for not sure. sound French in any way. It all adds up to a movie that is very linguistically confused, let's say. But I think that's also like that's the thing. It's like the, one of the charms of this movie is, is all of its flaws. You can just chalk up to the Republic serialness of it that like, you know, absolutely. Yeah, of, of, of course, a, a guy from Egypt could speak, uh, you know, uh, colonial English to a German, you know, sergeant that just yeah. wants a fucking drink of water. You know, uh-huh. uh, I think I, I didn't look into it because I have time, but I, I also think there's um, I, I never heard this discussed. So maybe I'm wrong. It seems like there's a lot of kind of bad yellow face going on in those Nep- Nepalese scenes too. Oh yeah. I bet. Uh, yeah. And I'm I like, mean, how hard I would it be to find Alfred Molina is Latin <laughs> anything, but I could be wrong. I'd- yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's true too. Um, but, uh, you know, the movie is what? 45 years old. Mm-hmm. 41, uh, 41 years. We just missed his 40th. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, like I said, the movie doesn't have it's it's not that the movie doesn't have flaws. It's just that its charms seem to uh, overweigh it for just about everybody. I mean, I've never seen I've never I've seen people that hate Star Wars. I've seen people that hate Star Trek. I've seen people not like comic book movies. I have never met a living person that doesn't like Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems to be fun. almost a universal. Yeah. So what else do you have to talk have you about? Seen, there's one other thing that a uh, bit of like history with this movie that I want to talk about. And it's the let's call it a remake. Have you seen the remake of this movie or have, specifically have you seen the documentary the f- about the fan remake of this no. movie called Raiders of the Last Ark, the adaptation? Uh, so I watched this documentary on a lark one time and it turned out to be, I thought, really cool. Uh, it's about this group of guys who saw the original Raiders of the Lost Ark in theaters when they were kids and they on their, you know, shitty VHS camcorders or whatever, uh, decided to try to remake the entire movie shot for shot. And it's this super weird time capsule of their lives and of their fandom. Uh, and that's what the documentary is about, uh, over the course of 20 plus years and eventually even longer, where they're trying to recreate this movie shot for shot. And they've got scenes where they're lighting bars on fire in their parents' basement when they're teenagers, just like with fucking lighters and kerosene, just threatening to burn down the entire place. Uh, the one scene that they couldn't shoot when they were kids was the plane scene, the the Nazi 
uh, wing. Hard, hard to find a flying called. wing for that. Yeah. Could, couldn't find it. Um, obviously couldn't afford it. And so they came back in like 2004 or something and did a Kickstarter, uh, or it must've been later 2014, maybe did a Kickstarter, um, to film this final scene. Cause it was the last scene they needed to complete their adaptation of the movie. And they, it succeeded and they made a whole documentary about it. And, they tried to get it to play in theaters, but there were rights issues, obviously copyright stuff, as you might expect. Uh, they sent it to over to Harry Knowles during one of his film festivals to, uh, I think during a Lord of the Rings thing and, and Lord of the Rings, like the new cut of the Lord of the Rings movie arrived a little late. And so they threw this on instead for the crowd. And they got so into this cut this remake of the movie that when Lord of the Rings eventually did show up and they started, they cut off the the adaptation of Raiders. The crowd was booing Lord of the Rings because they wanted to see more Raiders of the Lost Ark adaptation, which was kind of incredible. Wow. Uh, I have never seen that. The movie is shot like apparently it's, it's not shot chronologically with the film. It's like all out of order. And so like these kids are aging up and aging down in random scenes. And it's like this very super lo-fi, low budget production made by just this group of kids that I I think it's fascinating. I think it's super cool. I remember. Have you seen it? Well, you can't. You can't see it. It's not out there. You can't get it. You can't get it on like the Pirate Bay or something. Not That's that crazy. The internet. The internet does not contain this. I, I would love crazy. to hear that I'm wrong about that because I would absolutely love to see a copy of this. Uh, the trouble is like, how do you release? How do you stealth release this thing right to the internet without it coming wow. back? Because like, you guys yeah. made this. You guys are in the movie. If it gets yeah. leaked from your home VHS tape, you fucking leaked it. Yeah, I guess you could claim oh, somebody stole it, you know, stage a break in. <laughs> maybe maybe try some amateur arson. I don't know. Burn down your house and say, oh, yeah, somebody stole it and burned down our house. And now they leaked it on the Internet. Uh, but that, I think that's fascinating. I think it's super cool. I would love to see that if anybody knows where a copy is. Uh, yeah, if we yeah, because like the thing that's that's helped us before, because like I couldn't find an issue, uh, a release of the Godfather Saga edition, and we talked about it, and we got some people coming forward. So yeah, if you got this uh, uh, Buttonamathon version of uh, of uh, the the fan made, I would like to see it. Sure, yeah, Bill Dodd. Thank you so much for commissioning this podcast. Uh, it's been something that we have we, we thought surely one day some you know this is a pretty big movie, pretty nostalgic. It's like it's uh, it's either going to hit its 50th anniversary and we'll have to cover it, or someone's going to commission it. So thanks. Uh, it would be it would it would be hell. You know what? It'd be hell if people commissioned the other two. I would I would hate that. <laughs> don't you mean three? I I. I well, I don't know what you mean. There's not. Okay. They didn't make one okay. after after. No, I I just. Oh, and it's is. What has it been? Well, however long it's been since Crystal, I saw that opening night, and I'm like, I never want to see this again. Nope. Cecily talked me into watching it, and it oh. it's got its moments. But oh my god, does it have its moments of just like oh, kill me now. I did that once. Yeah, I actually honestly it might be a fun commission. I don't know, but. Could uh be. If you, like I said, thank you very much, Bill. If, if you heard this, like, man, it seems like a lot of fun. I want Jim and Aaron to watch one of my things and talk about it. Well, let me tell you, it's easy. Go to support.baldmove.com. Got all the information. Just click on commission a podcast. Got all the information, the current pricing, and what you need to do to make this happen. Uh, once you fill out the form, pay your money. We'll handle the rest. 
Uh, we try our best to make sure you're going to be happy with the movie, help you select it, uh, talk about any of the risks, uh, you know, like if Jim's going to hate this fucking thing or I'm going to hate this thing. Uh, we, like I said, we try we try to make sure your your satisfaction is as guaranteed as we can. Hope we've done good by, or well by you, Bill. Hard to beat your relationship with this film, though. So yeah. you, we, we might have left a few stones uncovered that you, you could uh, Indiana Jones yourself. But uh, thanks again, Bill. We will see you on another pulp movie coming up real soon. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.